0: Hi, Growth Mindset people. Welcome back to Growth Mindset On. I'm Cristina Cruciano, your host. And on this episode, I'm excited to introduce you to Megan Murphy. Megan is the head of product management at N26, one of Europe's leading fintech startups. Her product career has developed at both big players like Microsoft and Skyscanner, as well as early stage startups and a boutique mobile app design studio. Originally from New York, Megan has spent the last 10 years building products and teams in San Francisco, Brazil, and now Barcelona. As you learn from this episode, she is also an entrepreneur. Listen to how she has applied software product management methodology to validate her own business idea while inventing a physical product. And take notes on how she applies user-centric research in everything she creates. For more info about her side hustle, go to www.kowara.shop to see the product she invented and the business she's building around it. Good morning, Megan. It's such a nice pleasure to have you at Growth Mindset on. And uh, as I normally do, I ask guests to introduce themselves.
1: Sure. Yeah, happy to. Uh, So my name is Megan Murphy. Um, I am originally from New York. I've been working in tech for nine years. And I just recently joined actually last week, um, N26, as uh, its first head of product. I wouldn't say that necessarily defines me though um, so I, I guess like uh, some things about myself um, yeah I've been working with, um, some big brands like Microsoft and Skyscanner and um, some small startups as well uh, even though I'm from New York I've spent the last 12 or 13 years in a lot of places um, let's see Boston, Dallas, San Francisco, Brazil and now Barcelona um, yeah I think as a in the early days of my career i always wanted to have a very global global career like i had this dream of being this international businesswoman. and like i didn't even notice once that had happened
0: Wow! <laughs> but here i am <laughs> this, uh, what, this was just the question i was going to ask you next because uh, it's like how did you get into the, into tech you know because i think there are many women out there kind of trying to find the way the path to get into tech how how what do you think? What type of uh, decision have you
1: made professionally that took you into tech? Sure. Um, so in undergrad, I went to Boston University and I studied international business and entrepreneurship. Um, back then, I mean, I, I finished in 2010, and you know, I'd kind of always assumed that I would go into banking or finance. Like any good New Yorker, I thought that's what you should do. And um, that was a really difficult climate to get that kind of job. And then I also realized I didn't like it. Um, so I, a friend of mine worked at Microsoft, and, and before I knew it, a, re, a recruiter reached out to me and asked me if I was interested in doing this thing called consulting on large uh, IT projects for big enterprise clients. I had no idea what that meant. I think it took me a year into the job to figure out what that meant. Wow. <laughs> um, but in terms of like how to get into tech I think there's a lot of areas of tech and Mm -hmm. over the years I've learned what I do like and what I don't like I learned that I don't really like working in big big enterprise environments although I appreciate the experiences that I got there Um, I like working on like scaling things from figuring out what what a product should be and what it should do Mm -hmm. to growing and growing and growing that's the thing that that I enjoy so I guess I mean trying to advise people on how to get into that space I would say don't be afraid to go for your interests so for example when I wanted to leave a big corporate environment and go into startups um, I went to a 20-person health tech startup that was basically trying to replace a nutritionist with a phone app and I took a 50% pay cut to go work at that company living in San Francisco trying to you know keep up the same standard of living that I'd carved for myself for the last four years, and I decided, well, I really like tech, but I really care about health, and I want to go to a really small place, so I'm just going to do it, and, and I did that, and it, it was probably one of the best career decisions I made was to actually follow something I was interested in, because it stopped feeling like work. It started feeling like solving problems that I, too, face
0: yes um, what is very interesting you also at the same time i you, we were talking about growth and uh, so it's something you like scale uh businesses and kind of help with uh, make an impact throughout the decision you do in terms of product and not only uh i suppose can you give a specific case like for example when you uh, i think it's, this is something um personal at the same time if we we see the results of what we're doing and i think product is kind of related to that um what are the metrics that kind of uh, help you know if you're if you're doing your
1: your job well or uh, if you're in the right direction? Sure. Well, I think in so in a very young place where the the product is trying to uh, you're you're trying to achieve product mm-hmm. market fit. Um, the kind of metrics that you might be looking for are going to be more about acquisition, right? Do we have more customers today than we did last week? Um, but even in a mature environment, there's still opportunities for growth. Um, so so for example, like work that I did uh, eight, nine, eight years ago at Microsoft, um, that's a huge environment where there's obviously like no shortage of customers and there's no shortage of resources. Um, but I looked at, at things more like we had this goal of, of getting a campaign out for, for a client's project and how many people were responsive to that campaign. So even though I didn't my my metrics were not let's grow this in terms of revenue or or the number of users or anything like that it was more let's grow the audience who cares about the message we're sending mm-hmm. so um things like activating activation on certain products mm-hmm. and, and things like that so i think it definitely depends on the stage um you know at at skyscanner specifically um It's obviously a world-class brand for travel and for flights, and most of the company works on flights, but my teams and I, we were focused on a smaller part of the business, so we cared more about how do we get people from this large pool of flights who are interested and who find useful um, renting cars and getting transportation on the ground. So um, I think there's a million flavors, and it's really contextually specific. Nice. Uh, I know
0: somebody who works at Sky Scanner, and they they told me uh, that you specifically like went to the airport one day and kind of uh, talked with the user where we spend the day there. So we're talking about that you kind of do product, and most of the people probably think, okay, big companies don't do this type of face to face interaction with the real users, and it's something that um, uh, it really struck me because uh, I thought, wow, it's that's great because that's what I think companies should do, and that's where innovation is and um, what 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 is your approach to that
1: and sure. uh, well, i think that part of my career in terms of coming of age in tech in uh, specifically in san francisco is very groomed by these um it's it almost sounds cliche now but it's classic so we can't really reduce it to being cliche this eric reese and steve blank ideas that you should get outside the building you have to Mm. do customer discovery i've never let go of that so i learned i mean i i got into product by accident i joined Mm. to uh, that nutrition startup i mentioned i joined them to to work with client accounts and um as part of managing one of those client accounts, I was asked to build uh, an app, an iOS app, and um, back then a Windows Phone app. Um, um, so all of a sudden I had to build this product and I had no idea what to do, so I started mm-hmm. making wireframes, and then I was like, wait, what's a wireframe? Okay, uh, let me get outside and go see how people you know, use these um, other fitness trackers, other nutrition apps, other even things like Weight Watchers back then, and um, I, I guess I didn't know what to do so I thought let me just go out in the world and watch people and talk to them and not in a creepy way just yeah <laughs> in a way that makes sense to to achieve the learning objectives I had about behavior um anyway back to your question about doing that now I, that I think that that is one of the things that equips me to build good products I'll never say that qualitative is more important than quantitative or vice versa because i don't really see it so black and white i think you need both and i think quantitative data will always explain or, or highlight behavior will always expose behavior but it will never explain it and tell you the why behind it which is what you get from talking to people so yeah i mean i built like a a retail app for a well-known uh, denim jeans company and in order to do that I went to their stores around the U.S. for two or three months just looking at what people buy in the stores and how they ask for sizes and at Skyscanner I wasn't like I ran the product for the whole car hire business and yeah I went to the airport and watched people hire cars and I interviewed them and um, I hope to never lose that sense of customer first because I think what you do mm-hmm. and you make assumptions that you know what to build Uh, eventually some Mm -hmm. other small thing is going to come pay attention and then they're going to go talk to customers and actually find out their needs so you'll just be replaced eventually.
0: Yeah, I know you. You're also uh, um, studying design, or I don't know if you just uh, finished. I did a postgraduate okay. in
1: research for design and innovation here in Barcelona.
0: Okay, and I know the result of uh, of that uh, postgraduate program. It's uh, you're starting your own business somehow, no? Uh, yeah. Can you can you please explain me more about it because I think uh, it's kind of related to this research uh, period and why you you've decided to do what you're doing and what the. Process
1: Product? Sure, yeah. Um, so this is totally different than my day job, um, but I basically I'd always wanted to build a physical product. I'd never actually acted on it. I'd always kept a little notebook, literally with the word notes on the cover, or ideas on the cover. And um, I always thought, oh, it would be cool to build something physical. It's, there's a lot of things in common in how you find problems and how you think of ways to solve them and design um solutions, you know, that rely on human intuition and behavior and guide them toward the thing you want them to do. Um, It hit me last summer in Sitges, about half an hour south of Barcelona. I had my family visiting from New York, and uh, it just kind of fell on my head like like an apple hitting me on the head. And I noticed around me that there were no great beach bags. (laughs) It was a very specific observation, but... Um, I spent the rest of the summer looking at what people bring to the beach, what they do, um, who they're with, and you know, do they do they bring food? Do they bring drinks? Do they buy that stuff? And so I spent the summer observing and interviewing women, yeah. and um, I had an idea of, hey, I could build a better beach bag. So I. Bought a sewing machine, uh, the cheapest sewing machine I could find on Amazon, and a bunch of fabrics, and I s- taught myself how to sew for six months. Wow! I don't know how to, I didn't know how to sew anything other than a button before, um, but I made five different prototypes, and um, I have a number of friends and family back in New York who work in fashion. And um, in fact, when I was in high school, I studied at the Fashion Institute of Technology in New York to do a business of fashion course. And so I was interested back then. It was basically Mm -hmm. in the back of my mind. Anyway, um, my friends and family from New York uh, connected me with some great people to talk to. I flew there. I uh, met with a manufacturer, a really, really established and um, let's say premium manufacturer based in New York specifically in a handbag space and I thought I would come in and tell them my idea and show them my prototype and be so proud and then they asked me so many questions I didn't know any answers I was just stuck the whole time I walked out went to the store uh, nearby to buy some buttons and they had like 60,000 types of buttons Wow! and I just started crying in the store and I was like okay this is way too hard um Eventually, I came, back to, I came back to Barcelona a week later, and I decided, no, I can do this. I can do it myself. So I gave it another shot. I made one more prototype. And then I actually reached out to a friend I'd made from design school. Yeah. And I approached her, and I said, hey, would you be interested in working on this project with me? Uh, I think you have great style. You, you have like a better eye for design and fashion than I do. And this is the problem I'm trying to solve. It always comes back to the problem that I want to solve. She said yes. We put together uh, another another design. We went to New York together. We met with the same manufacturer, and within a couple of weeks, they had produced the first sample for us. Oh. And it, it's amazing—like seeing it come together was really, really, really special. And now we are currently working with them to scale up production for our first batch. Wow! We expect to be done in September. At which point they will be, uh, they'll be available for sale. So we actually just launched our Instagram last week. Wow. We're going to launch a Kickstarter to kind of test demand and see if people really like this. And, um, yeah, I mean, I'm taking a very software approach, right? Like I could have gone to the manufacturer very early on and told them, I have an idea. Why don't you run with it and figure it Mm -hmm. out? But instead, I taught myself for nine, eight or nine months. I recruited an amazing uh, co-founder who has come in and given me all the perspective that I was missing and, and so many other, like great tools and ideas and uh just her own her own perspective and so together we're building this brand it's called Coara the name is the latter part of the word Jericoacoara which is a beach in the north of Brazil that is the most paradise idyllic place I've ever been and living in Brazil was a very special time of my life so I kind of paying respect to that to that part of my life
0: Wow, that's that's excellent. That's a very very interesting story. I didn't I, I knew some very very just a few details, but uh, it's it's interesting, and I think mostly uh, just remind me of a Away uh, because I listened a yeah. lot to the um, how I built this with Gay Raz, yeah. and uh, you know this girl, you know explaining the story. It's very similar. You know we can do this better. You know, so uh, so yeah, it's it's fantastic, and the approach you've you've taken, you know, to it like doing several. Prototypes, you know, talking with the people who are going to build it, you know, find the right person to work with. I think these are uh, details um, that are very, very important to to consider. And wish you uh, best of luck with it. Uh, I'll check Instagram uh, awesome. right after this. Yeah, I'll give
1: you the handle.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, um, which is uh, very interesting because it's. Um, you're very entrepreneurial, and it's. I think it's something. Uh, your approach, you know. It. I think it's something that. Uh, it's. In life, it's uh, it's very, uh, how would I say, uh, ambitious and also at the same time, like growth mindset person. You've taught yourself how to sew, you know, I, I, I can do this. And also, you didn't accept a no as answer from the very first day you, you, they, they told you no. Uh, but it's uh, that entrepreneurial growth mindset that makes you uh, kind of, you know, uh, keep uh, fighting for it. Do you think this is something you've you've acquired from your family? It's something you've grown into, uh, you know. Because for the people out there who are listening, you know, probably uh, there are people who kind of at the first know they just quit and they uh, just don't fight for their dreams. And it's what I I just want to figure out in in the every episode or the people the people I interview, what is the 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 thing that uh, you know uh, great people have or. Uh, uh, fighters or hustles to have, uh, and kind of, you know, kind of knows the secret ingredient, you know, just to. So,
1: I don't know if, uh, explain me a little bit more. So, uh, I would say the biggest example for me is my father. Uh, he works in the music and TV space, and while there's a lot of pressure, especially as a parent, to choose a more conventional path and choose something with super stable hours and, you know, predictability, uh, he loves music and he just stuck it with it his whole life. I mean, he from very young he made a name for himself doing audio engineering. He toured the world for fifteen years with household name musicians and, you know, in New York he, he works at different concerts and events and speeches and TV shows and he just never decided to give in to the pressure of going into a nine to five and that was the example that I had to follow. It came with some challenges, right? Like his hours were unpredictable. Um, but with that was such a pleasure because he would say, oh yeah, I, I sorry, Meg, I'm coming home late, but I'm working with Aretha Franklin today. Uh, I'm wow. going to miss dinner. Or uh, Anderson Cooper, you know, I'm working on his TV show. And I mean, my whole childhood, I remember just going to different concerts and being exposed to this very creative environment where no one chose a traditional path. Mm. With that in mind... Compared to that, I feel like I did choose a pretty traditional path. I mean, I do go into an office. I do work. I don't really work just 40 hours a week, but let's say I work on what should be more like a nine-to-five schedule. Um, but I've never let part of me go that you know needs to express myself creatively, and I've always wanted to build my own business. The difference is that I always thought I had to quit my traditional, stable job uh Although I guess tech isn't that traditional, but I, I thought I had to quit my normal job and I had to fully dive in and do this full time. And it wasn't until about a year or two ago that I realized I could start small and scale scale my own thing over time. And I didn't have to give give it all up, if you will. I could do both. I mean, I have enough energy and drive to do both. So I go to my day job and at night and on the weekends I work on my my side hustle and and other projects as well. I just um, I guess I have a lot of energy, and I, I don't want to feel like my best ideas come from being within an office and four walls. I want to be inspired in many different ways.
0: Wow, that's uh, that's excellent. Uh, to know the journey, and, and especially to get inspired um, by someone in our family, because I think that's a very important ingredient in our lives, although we don't pay attention to it. It's it's very important to know where you coming from or why are you this way and kind of look back you know and and kind of know okay i got this from uh, or be it from my uh, father or be it from my friends you know also uh, for example in my case my friends really really kind of uh, inspired me daily to be better and uh, and also it's it's family but also ourselves we get some skills or some kind of we if you grow with something it's it's much easier to to acquire uh, related to this also as a as a um, you know, you've explained your your professional journey and how kind of um, you kind of got into entrepreneurship and kind of uh, uh, recovered that uh, you know early days uh, um, idea that you had to to start something uh, like build a product like a physical one. <laughs> uh, I would like to know just uh, also to related to the the topic of the podcast is it's which is growth and uh, it's related to professional and and personal one is. Uh, because uh, how do you, for example, when you have to learn something new, how do you face that? Like uh, in terms of uh, you with the uh, sewing uh, thing or also professionally, you know, because sometimes we are in, in positions where we kind of have to be vulnerable and also ourselves as women, uh, if we work especially like, like you in, in tech, it's it's sometimes that you it's you don't really know how to go by it. You know, do I have to show that I don't know it? Do I have to uh, kind of pretend I know it and kind of figure it out on my own? Like, how do you uh, deal with that? Because I know it's probably it's one thing that affects me personally. And I also started a job recently, and and I work with many 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 guys, and sometimes I feel nervous in front of them. When I have to go, when we are in a in a, a board meeting or something like that, and I kind of when I get out, I need I need to find a, a tool or a, a kind of build uh, confidence or stuff like that. So, so how was your? Um, how do you you've grown your confidence? Something that you you've always had, or it's, it doesn't really have to be this, but some some skill that you kind of realize that you were struggling with, and you kind of uh, find the way to to master it,
1: no? Sure. Yeah, I think, so I try to always show up prepared, and sometimes preparation is, I mean, preparation is usually intentional, but there are other ways that I try to push myself to learn, so if I need to show up in, into a meeting and I lack context about the subject, I'll read as much as possible, I, I read a lot, so uh, there's always some book for fun and book for kind of a professional improvement and stuff like that, or just learning in general that I'm reading. Um, so yeah, I would say, like, I show up prepared. I do my homework. I like to show up with an agenda and kind of have not, not necessarily control, but structure as a fallback in case the conversation goes awry. Um, but outside of that, I mean, I'm always, like, listening to podcasts. I probably listen to five podcasts every day. Uh, I read three or four different news apps every day. Um, I just I like to be in context of what's going on in the world around us and I think that helps equip me to to kind of come to the table and have a conversation and I also think that the more that you learn the more you realize you don't know so I'm also not afraid to show up and say hey forgive my ignorance I'm not familiar with this can you explain to me how this goes um and also I mean until recently working in product most of my um most of my day-to-day has been working with engineers, and um, there's an interesting dynamic on a traditional product engineering team where, you know, the ratio is usually one product to many engineers, and so you have a very different perspective, understanding goals, stakeholders, etc., but I've always tried to make sure that my engineers know that I'm not going to try to decide things for them, and I'm not going to try to tell them what needs to be done. I think that's, I think, I think that's a recipe for disaster. Instead, I like to come with a problem statement and say, this is the thing we're trying to figure out. What, you're an expert in this, this area. Um, I'm not, so help me figure out how we can collectively solve this together. So I would say that in terms of the ratio of product to engineering, that's, that's one way is to always make sure that you recognize everyone has different expertise and respect them for that and and also make it clear that you want to learn from them. And then in terms of being a woman, uh, I mean, I started my career in finance, which is very male-dominated, and I work in tech, which is almost as male-dominated, but I'm an only child and I grew up with my father, so I'm used to being, uh, I'm used to not being around many women. Um, I would say that being, showing up prepared, um, just having interesting things Mm. to say and a different perspective. I can't really say I have had too many experiences where I have felt like I couldn't speak up, Mm. but I think a lot of that comes back to the fact that my dad never really raised me as his daughter. He Mm. raised me as his child, Mm. and that made me think there are no limits, and the things I can do and the way I can think and how I can express myself. But what I am trying to do is help mentor other women, especially women starting their careers now, because maybe they have different, have had a different environment. Mm -hmm. Maybe they haven't had that perspective from a very young age. And so I'm finding more joy in actually mentoring people who are, who are earlier in a couple different stages than I am myself making these these product decisions and things like that. And that's a very cool, but new shift for me is that gratification from mentoring others. Okay, thank you. That's uh, That's uh, been great.
0: Um, one thing I'm, I'm also very, very interested in terms of uh, uh, product is like how kind of you envision um, growth in terms of uh, it's something I know that normally comes from the stakeholders, objective, but kind of uh, where is how do you innovate like how what are the the principles you consider whenever you have to to innovate i don't know think about new features or improve a, uh, a older one or how do you normally uh, get by just for the people who kind of are listening and thinking about getting in, into the product or even like themselves having a product and try to improve it is you know, it's a, another thing that uh, can also be very useful. So what is your, your approach in that? Uh, because to be honest, uh, this person I know at Skyscarner is a wow, Megan is doing things so great, she's a very, you know, she's doing her job greatly, and so I kind of wanted to, to pick your brains on that, and uh, it would be great if you, how do you get by it, and, uh, and and try to improve stuff? Yeah.
1: Well, first you can tell that person I said, thank you, I think I know who it is. <laughs> um, I suppose it's really easy to get caught up in the day-to-day um, ideas of we have a backlog, and this is the priority, and um, these are, these are the things that must be fixed and it's really easy to get caught up in a, a wheel that keeps spinning. And I think that it's also easy to forget that we should intentionally take time to pause and think a bit bigger. So, you know, if you're working on a, like for, for example, I'll use the, the beach bag as an example so as to not talk about features related to the yeah. companies I've worked for, but, um. I need to pay attention to what people are doing in travel bags and in gym bags and in small handbags for those kind of trends. Mm. I need to pay attention to whether women are carrying smaller and smaller um, things, but bigger phones. I need to pay attention to um, import tariffs and the cost of getting textiles from the place where I'm sourcing to the place where I'm manufacturing. So um, I think that we can all get caught up on the small things that are on, a, on the to-do list, but you have to take time to find your vision, like you, you need kind of a north star to drive you, and that north star shouldn't really change very much, it should evolve, but it's not like a north star goes from, um, you know, black to white overnight, it, and I'm trying to think of a way to express this more tangibly, but um, I think part of people, at least Product people who have inspired me most are not afraid to think big. And by doing so, they inspire others to contribute to that vision. When it's when features are told to you from top down, then why hire smart people if you're going to tell them what to do, right? Yeah. Eventually they're going to leave, or eventually they're going to have better ideas, and then you have a power struggle. So I've been lucky that I haven't had so many. I have experienced that a bit, but generally... Um, I think product people should be able to articulate the value of what they want to build, and I also think it's really important to do a cost-benefit analysis of everything you want to build. So, how will your vision drive the things that you want to use as levers to to move the business forward, right? There will always be a struggle between what's better for your customer and what's better for your, your income statement as a company. Right, there will be there will be trade offs, but keeping in mind the long term trust that you that you garner with your customers will also be kind of like a a, a center point of your moral compass. So, I mean, the reference to the to the Sky Scanner example, I think in terms of growing that product and thinking of features, honestly, that comes back to user research. That comes back to getting out there and seeing how people interact in person, and how can I take the Um, offline experience into the digital space and how can I uh, capture trust? I mean, like in that example, car hire, um, car hire is not typically the thing people look forward to most about their holidays. Mm. So how can we make that experience more trustworthy, faster, more clear? Um, How can we reduce the amount of times where people see cars that are not useful for them? I mean, it's always thinking back to the pain points of the customer, going out and validating those and I, I would encourage people who work in tech in general, it doesn't matter which part of the company, like go out and talk to your customers. You will only benefit from those conversations. And I don't mean you have to get overwhelmed with it. And I don't mean that you have to go every single day, but some regular rhythm or, or frequency to, to put yourself in the position of the customer will help. It will naturally expose what problems need to be, what problems need to be solved, but you also, in product, you have to be the one to pay attention to what else is going on in the industry, what else is going on in um, customer sentiment, what's going on to an extent politically. Like, are people feeling more um, more open-minded? Are they feeling more accepting of differences, or are they mm-hmm. feeling more closed? And if so, how do you build trust with them? So, I think it's sort of a it can often be a jack of all trades job because you have to do so many things. But at the end of the day the feeling that you built something to improve um, the way a customer, the, the way their experience goes is super rewarding. Okay, wow, that's it's been a very,
0: very uh, quick sum up uh, in terms of what a product it's about uh, generally and you uh, definitely going back to users that at the end of the day it's user-centric and you have to focus on them and as you're saying not not lose the focus you know we have to do this we have these features we have to this is the backlog We kind of lose the big picture mindset which is uh, uh, crucial and in terms of also organizing um, your day as a or uh, now you're at the new job or at the previous one how do you do you normally kind of uh, organize your 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 week because you are a very uh, fast pacing person you know uh, you're just telling me before that you do so many things and, and uh, you can you barely sleep no to say because you have so many things in, in mind and working on your on your uh, side project which is uh, uh, i wonder where where do you take the time to also read and and and, and you know do this uh, pleasure but also at the same time uh, professional development uh, outside it. Um, so, how do you normally uh, organize your? Where do you think it'd be a good um, week in order to kind of uh, extract the, the, the most of, of it or make the most of
1: it? Specifically in my work day or in my in my life in general? Uh, the work work okay. day. Um, in my work day, So, I let's see. What I mean, my, my priority is the people I manage. Because I think really good leaders um, find problems and then they trust and equip their, their teams and their people to solve them. So um, I need to take care of my people. So I make sure that we hold one-on-ones at a frequency to their to well to our mutual liking. So once every week or once every two weeks, depending on what they prefer. Um, so I try to schedule my people management meetings together because it keeps me in the context of I am your champion, I'm your advocate, and I'm here for you. And also sometimes my the people I manage, they they might have similar sentiments. Like oh, Of course, everyone is different, but they might say, oh, this really should be improved or that should be improved. So I try to stay in context as much as possible. So I try to group similar meetings together. So maybe Mondays are my people management days. Um, maybe Tuesdays are the, are the planning and the forecasting and budgeting and stuff like that um of course it depends in which context you're working or in which part of the business but um yeah I try to group meetings so that I stay in context and it doesn't feel like I'm constantly switching because I find that can be tricky for me at work um despite the fact that I do like to fill my time I do make time to go have lunch with my colleagues Mm. I, I would say at least three times a week it's really important to me I think it's a Good opportunity to get to know them um, outside of those walls of, of, a, of a work environment. Even if the work environment is as beautiful as the modern tech company, yes. which is very comfortable, um, you know, it's still nice to go out and get fresh air with them together. And I like to do meetings in the morning so that in the afternoon I can kind of digest everything. I can I can uh, take action. I can reach out to the people I need to. I use an old school notebook, just like the one I see in front of you. <laughs> Thank you. I prefer uh, pen and paper. Um, environmentally I'm not sure I prefer it but it just it feels good to take a break from screens so I I tend to I tend to bring my laptop to as few meetings as possible um let's see I also generally have to put together quite a bit of uh, presentations and and practice so I, if I have some big presentation coming up or a demo or something that has a, is a big audience or is a, is a milestone, uh, I'll rehearse those things in front of the mirror. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. Or like film them and then look back on it and say, okay, your hands look really awkward or, um, you should work on your eye contact. And, and then also I tend to rehearse big things with my team. So with the people I manage, because I think that that helps them see, what I'm trying to have the narrative I'm trying to build about the work we're doing together. Um, it also gives me a chance to ask for feedback, and then I think if, there's also something important about exposing some vulnerability mm-hmm. because I want people to know that I don't have it all figured out. I absolutely not, and I could use feedback. I could use your opinion, and of course, I won't ask them to sit there and watch me uh, rehearse if they have more important things to do. But the invitation is open mm-hmm. should they choose to come do that. So. Yeah, I always ask for feedback. Um, I try to group meetings together. I try to make time for lunches and coffee with people. I do a lot of walking meetings. Mm-hmm. So that again, it's outside of the building. It's in a different environment, unless we need to look at something specific on a screen or a paper or something. I try to do as many walking and, and coffee meetings as I can.
0: Wow, so it's it's very human-centered. Uh, Definitely. Which, which is which is fantastic. I want to say, uh, especially coming from a New Yorker, because I think big, big, big cities are becoming more impersonal. It's something that I think, I don't know, because I haven't lived in New York, you, you tell me, but I think Barcelona is very, very human-centered now. It's something, and it's kind of, we're kind of losing it, you know, because of the... Uh, a fast-paced environment but it's good to to kind of remember that's where uh, our being great our, our jobs lay especially
1: if we have to manage people yeah I mean I like both cities of course um, and there's many other cities that I love as well but the pace here I enjoy the long lunches mm. but I do work a lot so mm. I've never thankfully I've never worked a job where I've come in and I've said oh I can't wait to go home like usually I find something to motivate me or to inspire me to, to do something to a really high quality, um, and I hope that I inspire my teams and my you know, my own mm. people working around me to do the same because I never want to cultivate a workplace that feels like, oh, I just have to go, 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 or I have to eat my lunch at my desk, or I have to um, rush and I don't have time to talk. I mean, I think that conversations are more fruitful than sitting in front of your laptop Rushing through a a quick sandwich, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah, that is something
1: I don't miss from New York because that is very normal there. Yeah, I
0: lived in London for some time, and that's very common. And I was so, uh, I don't know, because it's at least enjoy the the lunch. We have great food here in Spain in Barcelona. But uh, besides that, enjoying being with the people, you know, and and I think that's uh, something that definitely. Uh, uh, big city should consider that it's very very important and like just the people who are working for the big companies kind of um, uh, d- kind of have the initiative to do that. To something when I was in London, I asked, I asked one of my uh, my colleagues, "Let's go and have lunch." And this person, because I think that's something very cultural. Person thought I was I was asking for uh, him for a date. I was like, no, oh. this is what we do in Spain. We have lunch with people. And, you know, we sit in front of each other and we speak. But you know, it's uh, I suppose it just depends. And uh, you know, uh, having um, uh, managers, you know, doing that and kind of taking that initiative and making something normal. I think it's definitely uh, crucial and speak yeah. outside the job. It's something I need to do more at my at my workplace. Um, and um, what is the future preparing you? You've just uh, changed uh, uh, job recently, mm-hmm. uh, and what do you, how do you see your your future coming? I think uh, explain a little bit more. You know, you've gone a step uh, um, beyond now, and uh, you've made another leap forward. And uh, just to um, inspire other women out there, you know, who who kind of. Probably don't dare. Uh, normally, you know, uh, they are in their comfort zone. I think something is uh, really uh, uh, struck me about this: like you always kind of uh, try to uh, stretch and, and just go beyond uh, your uh, that area and uh, kind of force yourself into into new horizons. So, where do you uh, where do you think you're uh, going next? Yeah.
1: Um, let Or see. the challenges. I have a pretty funny, uh, habit of setting these kind of personal improvement goals. And so I, I have that now. Um, actually like for example, one year, if if this was 2014, I had a a goal that every month I would do one thing that scares me. And so, and then I kept a a blog about it and Mm. it was like, you know, January I did this. I mean, one of them was skydiving. One of them was, um, one of them was bungee jumping. A lot of them were adrenaline based. <laughs> um, another one was doing a, like a, a road trip by myself for a weekend, and, and another one was living on uh, the budget of uh, poverty in the United States to see how does how would it feel to live on the budget of someone who's using um, food assistance programs, just to get some perspective of what many people go through, and so. And I didn't go to restaurants mm. with friends. I didn't buy any coffees. I didn't mm. buy any like hipster kombucha, which I love. Mm. I mean, I I, I wanted, yeah, I, I did that, and it was a, a bit scary and mm. kind of antisocial. But I kind of set these goals for myself. Um, this year, I have a, a marathon coming up in August. It'll be my sixth one, and probably like my twentieth race all altogether. All Um, I guess I, I'm always just trying to find something new. I don't know if that's a good thing or if it's sustainable because I think that there's this kind of feeling that, Oh, once I do that thing, I'll feel accomplished. And then you do the thing, you feel great, but it kind of goes away after a little while. And then you just kind of set this newer and bigger goal. And I, like I said, I don't know if that's actually good for me in the long run, but I can't help it. Once Mm. I, once I do something, I, I feel great. And then I want to push it. Again, so um, in the in the short term, I mean, within the next year, I have a, a marathon. Our um, Quada, our, our beach bag business is launching. Um, my partner and I are moving, and we're getting married next year. Wow! Congratulations! Thank you. <laughs> uh, and I just started this new um, dream job at N Twenty Six that's head of product. So building out the vision for the, the parts of the product that I'm working on, um, I think I'll have no shortage of things to do. Yeah. And but why to keep doing it? I, I don't know, because I don't know how to not do that, right? Wow. Like, I don't know how to yeah. sit still, which poses other problems, right? Like, mm. when someone wants to, you know, when my partner wants to relax, <laughs> I relax by, like, listening to uh, language podcasts. Wow. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so, so there's some challenges there, but yeah, yeah, yeah. trying to figure out how to shut down. Um, I've tried yeah. meditation, and transcendental meditation and different types of things and i haven't yet mastered that so i think actually the biggest mountain for me to climb will be to figure out how to truly relax and how to let go and how to clear my mind because that is probably the biggest thing i struggle with
0: wow it, uh yeah i think it doesn't really happen to many to many people but it's 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 also uh, something that we we need to master you know somehow and it it's fantastic uh, that uh, that you know you're you're kind of balance you know that and trying to figure out how to uh, you know relax with your partner which is also uh, you know at least for him i think it's it, it's important yeah. um to kind of um uh finish and wrap things up um I would like to know what personal trait do you think has kind of brought you where you are today? Uh, if you were to say uh, this is, I mean, you kind of, uh, I think before listening, are able to kind of figure it out. But what do you think is that trait that kind of, you know, uh, makes you uh you know, wake up daily and do the stuff you do. I I don't know where you get the time, to be honest. Uh, Preparing a marathon, doing all these readings. Wow, it's it's fantastic. I think you you must be very, very
1: organized. Uh, So... Yeah, um, I guess the personal trait would probably be what I hope is an eternal quest for learning. Mm. It's always about what is the next thing that I want to learn. Mm. I think, personally, Uh, you know, what is the next race I want to run? Mm -hmm. Is it a street race or a trail race or is it a mountain? Like last summer, instead of running a race, um, my partner and I climbed uh, Mount Triglav in Slovenia, in the Alps. So it was my first time doing Via Ferrata and doing some climbing. Um, So it was, okay, let me learn how to do that. Um, Mm -hmm. I like to learn about anything I like to learn about wine I read historical wine books about different grapes I mean um so I I guess it's always about a thirst for learning and then in terms of the productive side the 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 part that pays my bills and the part that keeps me employed um you know I wanted to work I wanted to learn what it's like to work at a startup Mm -hmm. and then I did that I wanted to learn what it was like to become I suppose, an expert in the mobile space. So I built iOS and Android apps and Mm -hmm. chatbots and apps for VR headsets at one of the companies I worked for. And then I wanted to learn about experimentation. And that's largely what attracted me to Skyscanner was to be able to work at such a big scale and such an impactful product that touches so many people and really learn how to run experiments. And uh, and now the challenge in 26 is how to build uh, a mobile bank that people love around the world and that makes dealing with money Mm. a pleasant enjoyable productive thing so um it feels a little full circle right now because I started my career in finance and I found myself here almost a decade later um but there's just a constant thread of what is the thing that interests me and how can I find an opportunity where I can I can give and give and give but in return I can also learn a lot and that's going to equip me for whatever adventure I pursue next
0: Okay, Megan, thank you so much for, for being with us today. It's been great and I've enjoyed so much and I uh, can't wait for to pass it on for our listeners to listen to it. Super. Thank you. Thank you. Megan Murphy is a New Yorker in Barcelona and has been working in product management for players such as Microsoft Sky Scanner and now she's the head of product at N26. She is the head of product from 9 to 5 an entrepreneur from 5 to 10 or sometimes longer, and a marathon runner in her spare time, if she has any. Learn about how she has applied software product management methodology to validate her own business idea and take notes on how she's been applying user-centric research in all the companies she's been part of. For more info about her side hustle, go to www.coara.shop to find more about it.